All right. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Happy Mother's Day. Those of you mothers in the house, we love you. There's lots of them in here. Yes, all of you. We love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for giving us life and for changing our diapers and for changing our attitudes and for all the other things that you do to help your kids be the people that they were meant to be. Whether Mother's Day is pure joy for you, as I know it is for a lot of you, or whether it brings that tinge of pain that David was talking about earlier, um, I can relate. I lost my mom a few years ago, so if you're here and you don't have a mom, um, and that could be a lot of us here for whatever reason, maybe your mom passed away, maybe she's not in the picture for you, um, and maybe it brings up a little bit of pain today, or maybe a lot of pain, I should say. And that's okay, that's okay. Uh, we're with you, and we're a big family here. So today we're actually going to do a Mother's Day message. We don't do this every year, but every few years I like to do a message that's specifically geared around Mother's Day. And it's been about probably three years since I did one, so I wanted to do one this year. Many of you have actually heard a version of this message in one way or another, but hopefully it will just refresh our minds and our hearts, and maybe you'll be surprised to hear that pastors recycle parts of messages, I'm sure. That, that's a joke. That's the best joke I've ever told maybe up here. Um, so if you believe that pastors don't, God bless you. I mean, that kind of level of trust and belief in a pastor is amazing. Um, but no, um, there's things that bear repeating, and they actually bear a lot of repetition. And this is one of them, uh, a message on mothers and Mother's Day. So anyway, I want to start by asking you how you picture God. How you, like if you were going to picture God... How would you picture God? And you even heard me in my question, the way that I asked it, I think I even said one of the, one of the ways I asked it was, how would you picture him? Um, how do you picture God? You picture God in that classical image of a bearded figure. The beard is almost always white because God's like really old. You may have heard. And so he's super old and so he has a big bushy beard and he sits on a throne and maybe he has a scepter in his hand. And like, think about your images of God. How you picture God. I would probably guess that most of us picture God as a man, a dude. Like the old bearded guy in a throne wielding thunder and lightning. I know I picture God like this. Now there's a teaching that goes something like this. And I'm paraphrasing. And if you haven't heard it, I don't know how you haven't heard it. Um, if you've been in churches at all, I don't know how you haven't heard it or gotten this impression. Maybe it's more of an impression than an explicit teaching. But I want to say this because I think it's in a lot of our heads. It's in my head. It's been, my, been in my head for a long time. God is a dude. God made dudes. Ladies were an afterthought. This is not what I think. This is a teaching that's out there, by the way. So before you start throwing tomatoes, just hang in there, you know. Ladies were an afterthought. God told dudes they were in charge. Dudes can do whatever they want. Repeat. 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 Have you ever, maybe you've never, ever, ever even, you know, flirted with this idea or this teaching. But what I would say is that you live in a world that has not just flirted with that idea, but has codified that idea and enforced that idea. Whether it's in a public setting or whether it's in a spiritual setting, that that idea has bled throughout our culture in every possible conceivable way you could ever imagine. Maybe you disagree. And you can talk to me afterwards, but I've got the floor right now. <laughs> so historically, this teaching has been used in, by, by a lot of like dudes, some of them on thrones, 
as a weapon to marginalize, ostracize, oppress, dismiss women for thousands of years. Now I want to say this, it's a good and it's a healthy thing to relate to God as Father. God is the Father of everything we see and everything we cannot see. He's the creator and the sustainer of the universe, and you're going to hear me use he all the time in addressing God. I was raised with it. It's in the scriptures. It's in my mind and in my heart. That's one of the ways that I relate to God. But, and there's a big but. Today I want to just spend some time in the scriptures asking this question. Is, is God a man? And where did this idea of motherhood even come from? Where did what it means to be a man, whatever that means, and where did what it means to be a woman, whatever that means, where did these ideas come from? Where did these identities come from? I think if we're open, and if we read God's word and we listen, hopefully we have a message for us today, and a message that applies to all of you mothers that are hearing my voice. Let's pray. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to have you picture God in the quietness of your heart. Just picture God, and it's okay. Whatever, I mean... What are, your, what are the images that come to mind? I'm not here to judge you for the images that come to mind. I have the same ones in my head. But what images come to mind? When you think of the word God, what images come to mind? Father, we address you as Father. It's what our brother and Savior, Jesus, kind of modeled for us. And God, we recognize here today that the images that we have of you are just that. Images. They're incomplete. And God, would you help us as we open up your word to kind of maybe experience you in a different way today? Father, to experience you as our good parent beyond any idea of gender. And Father, would we see, would the mothers that are in this room see, and the spouses and the women and the men and everyone, would we be able to see where this idea of motherhood comes from and how powerful this image is? And how saving this image is. And how it might confront our assumptions about who you are. So Father, I pray that we come away from your word with a deeper walk with you this morning. A a more complete picture, maybe, of who you are and of your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be all over the place in God's word today. And our friends, the Bergdales, this is their first time on computer. So give it up for the Bergdales. Thank you. Also, I want to say that we made it as difficult for them as humanly possible today. So they wanted, John specifically wanted me to say that before we got rolling here. Um, And...
just so you know, I gave them like 100 verses, and so they're all over the place. So we actually only had time to put a few on the screen. But you're welcome to pull out your phone. There are paper Bibles on tables that you can have. So if you have to do that in your app or whatever, you want to follow along or you just want to listen to the ones that aren't on the screen, you're certainly welcome to do that. So let's dive into God's Word. Here's the first couple scriptures for you. Here are a few wonderful descriptive metaphors for God. I want you to listen to these. These are not on the screen, but you can hear them here. It's Psalm 18, verse 2. It says this, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That reminds me of the song that we sang today, Defender, and some of those images and some of those metaphors for God. God is a rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, the horn. Strong, vivid images and metaphors for God in the text. It's worth asking, is God a rock? Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. He is a rock in the sense that the writer wrote it. He is steadfast and sure. You can build a life and a universe on him. You can find strength beyond measure. The strength to hold together an atom and a molecule and the strength to make a mountain and the strength to save us. So yes and no. He's not a literal rock, right? He's not an actual, what would he do? Just sit, I mean, a pet rock, the image comes of a pet rock. But he is, a, he is and he isn't. Psalm 121 verse 5 says this, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. And people in Iowa don't really understand this, right? Because it doesn't matter if you're in the shade or you're in the sun. Because it's as hot as humanly possible in either one. But in the Middle East, shade matters, you know? And the shade on your right hand, that's the hand that's your strength. That's, you know, the, the, the Bible's very biased against left-handed people of all the beefs. You know, like, I'm left-handed, right? But the, the, the Bible doesn't talk about left hand. It's all right hand, like the right hand of God, the right, the right, the right. And I'm getting some nods out there. So yeah, you right-handed folks are fighting afterwards. I'm just kidding. But he's the shade on your right hand. That means he is the, he is the relief, the shade. Is God actually shade? Yes and no. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says this, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. A rock, a fortress, a shield, a horn, a keeper, a tree, a shepherd. So many of these things are reflections of attributes of God. The world is bursting with these. The scripture is true and it's breathed by God, but we must understand how it is true. Many have tried to make the scripture what it is not, to put on it rules and interpretation and objectivity, frankly, upon it that it does not place on itself. This happens when modern people want to read the Bible like a textbook. This happens when modern people want to read the Bible like a book of systematic theology, like a law book, like a storybook, like a book of poetry. It is all of these things and it is none of these things. And if we don't reckon with it for what it is, and if we put upon it things that it doesn't place on itself, we'll run aground in our understanding of God. We will think things are literal that aren't. We will think things that are symbolic that aren't. We will do both and everything in between. It refuses easy, simple definition because in the scripture, narrative and story and law and poetry and history and tragedy and song and theology all dance and move together. They weave in and out of the text 
and are part of what make this book the book, the most dynamic, engaging, life-giving book in human history. And how does this book describe God? As the father of everything, yes. But the parent of everything ultimately might be more appropriate for us. Around here we refer to God as father. You'll hear me do that today, many times. A distinctly masculine word. We do this because our brother, our savior, our friend, our deliverer, Jesus, the one who lived and died and lives again forevermore, he taught us to do this in Matthew 6. He said, when you are praying, don't use meaningless repetition. Don't be like the Gentiles who just babble on, but your father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus models for us to relate to God as father personally. And we do, and we will. But we're also mindful of our pronouns. We try to refer to God as broadly as we can, and we don't police the language of people. Because there is this idea throughout the Bible, just like there is this idea throughout the Bible of God as father, there is this idea of God throughout the Bible described in motherly terms. There's this thinking that God, re- that God is referred to in the Bible in exclusively male fatherly terms. But is this true? Is God ultimately a he? For many. Relating to God as father is just another example of male-dominated and female-abusing perspectives in the scripture. And it has been used as a justification for treating women as less than men. It has. Whether you like it or not, it's true. Less than throughout human history. For some who have had absent or abusive fathers, relating to God as Father might seem horrifying and scary or impossible. We have to recognize that as people, we come from flawed individuals and flawed families and brokenness. And we need help in rescuing and restoring our vision of God as our perfect parent. We're going to begin at the beginning with our odyssey in the way that the Bible describes God in this other way. And we're going to begin in the beginning. I think we do have this one, Genesis 1, verse 26, hopefully. And it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in whose image? In our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps, I love that, on the earth. We worship this beautiful, imminent, transcendent, dynamic, holy, powerful, one God who identifies himself as a we, as an us. And that makes it complicated already. (laughs) On the first page of the Bible, there is this divine dance of us. And that us makes an us to reflect us. That's real. That's a paraphrase. But it's pretty faithful to the text. Did you hear what I said? An us makes an us to reflect the us. That's what happens in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man, that's mankind, that's not just men, that is humans, to be our likeness. And let them, not him, please note, not him, them. This idea that God gave the keys to men and to Adam is not accurate based on the scriptures. Okay? So if you've heard that or if that's been taught, that's actually a warping of Genesis 1. Because God makes them and he gives them the keys. Not him the keys. Them. To rule. 
Look at verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them in his image. Man means people. Male and female as images of God. Expressions, reflections of who he is. Now you might say, and many have, and even I have, that men and women together really represent the image of God. That that's really what, that's really what, so, so what that would mean, by the way, in practice, is that if you don't find a spouse, you complete me, right? Remember that line? Like, if, if you don't find a spouse, then you are less than the image of God, is what that would mean. Is that true? It's not true. It's not true at all. That somehow, in men, in women, in people, in us, there is this image of God. So if God created the she to show what he is like, is he a he? It's not Dr. Seuss, but like, if he created the she to show what he is like, is he a he? It's a great question. It's a great, great question. And the Bible informs us in another way on this. Look at Deuteronomy 4. This one's not on the screen. It says, so watch yourselves carefully. Since you did not see any form, any form, on the day the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish in the water that is below the earth. Humanity, in looking for images to represent God and what he is like, we have literally described God in every way possible. And we've, human history is filled with creations and images of God that are of every kind, size, and shape. Have you seen these throughout human history? I'm talking about like the fish god. And like, like the cricket god. I don't know if that's a real thing. It's got to be. It has to be. I'd stake my reputation on that somewhere in human history, people worship crickets. We will worship anything. And we will make an image of anything to worship. And in Deuteronomy, God says explicitly not to worship a form as God. Why does he say this? And John 4 is why he says this. John 4 says this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God the Father, the parent, God does not have a form. I mean, he takes on form, like Jesus is the image of the invisible God, but he is the image of the invisible God. Okay? That means that no form, no image, no likeness can capture what God is completely. But if we look back at Genesis 1, and if we now look all throughout the Bible, we see that God is described in fatherly and motherly terms. And now we're going to look at that now. In Deuteronomy 32, it says this, He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up her nest, that hovers over her young. He spread his wings and caught them and carried them on his pinions. Do you know how young eagles learn to fly? 
Mother eagles actually make the nest uncomfortable for baby eagles. They'll put sharp objects, and like, this is like pro-level tips for you parents out here, right? Take the metaphor however you want to take it. Be careful on the literalness of this one. They take actually the like sticks and stones and they put it in the nest so that when the birds are in there, it's uncomfortable. Like they make it uncomfortable for them to be there. They will take out the soft lining inside the nest. They'll actually stop feeding them. Some mother eagles will knock the nest off the cliff so they have to sleep on the hard open stone. Some mother eagles will actually push their eaglets off a cliff. Like push them. And watch them flutter, 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 fall, 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 fall. And then they'll swoop in and they'll like save them. And then they'll do it again. And eventually they'll fly away. That's good. There you're welcome, parents, on how you get rid of kids, okay? If you want to. That's, that's, make it uncomfortable. I'm just kidding. They're like, no, no, no. This is not the only time that God is, you know, you could read this and you can hear me saying, you're like, ah, that's one time. That's one time. Well, listen to this. In Ruth 2.12, it says, May the Lord reward your work, your wages full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. In Psalm 17.8, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings, the wings of a mother bird. You don't generally rest under the wings of a father bird. Now, some of you all are probably thinking, What about penguins? What about penguin birds? And if you weren't thinking that, you're welcome. Okay? What about, what about like father birds that, you know, they go under their wings and stuff? Do you think that the writers of the scripture had encountered penguins? I mean, come on. Really? We're not talking about penguins. We're talking about a mother bird. And if you don't believe me, listen to Jesus in Matthew 23. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen, not a penguin, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Do you hear the compassion and the tenderness in his voice? And you were unwilling. Jesus, the Son of God, God made flesh, identifies his longings for his people as motherly longings. You may not think this is enough. Look at Hosea 13. I'm just trying to overwhelm you. Stay with it. Stay with me. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. In verse 7, he says, So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lie in wait by the wayside. I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs. Do you know what happens when a mother bear is removed from her cubs? Do you know what happens when you get in between a mother bear and her cubs? She like ends your life and puts you in pieces. That's what happens. I will tear open their chests. There I will devour them like a lioness as a wild beast would tear them. This is one of the more vivid descriptions of God anywhere in the Bible. Anywhere. It's one of the most violent And here God is like a mama bear, a mama lion, willing to do anything in her power to see her kids healthy and connected with God and people. This is distinctly violent and distinctly feminine. Do you hear me? In its description of the love of God for people. Yet the comparison to motherhood is not only related or relegated to the animal kingdom. Back in Deuteronomy 32, it says this. 
You neglected the rock. Notice that was the one we heard before. The rock who begot you, who gave birth to you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Because, I, I mean, I hear, the, I hear the counterpoint here. Well, yeah, he created men and women. Okay, kind of, yeah, but together maybe they're the image of God. And then no, like all the feminine metaphors of the mother bird, you could dismiss that as like poetry maybe. And then you could dismiss maybe the lioness and the mama bear thing. I mean, it's a lot. It's kind of tipping the scale, but maybe we can avoid it. But how do you get away from this one? God keeps talking about giving birth in the scripture, which is really, really weird if God is a dude, right? Really strange to use those kind of metaphors. Look at 1 John 5.1. I think we might have this one, actually. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Born of God. In Isaiah 46, he says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I will be the same, and even to your graying years I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. Job 38, from whose womb has come the ice? That's a weird image. And the frost of heaven who has given it birth. In Hosea 11, yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms. They did not know that I healed them. I led them with the bonds of love. And I became as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws. And I bent down and I fed them. And again in Hosea, I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst. God is God. God is not a gender. He created both genders. He is above and beyond and behind gender. In the beginning, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He blessed them. He spoke peace over them. Now this image of God, through the unwillingness of Adam to step in and to speak and to defend, to protect, to lead along with Eve, believing the lie and taking and believing the dark, what the darkened voice of the serpent told her, this image of God is shattered, it fell, it broke. And one of the things that's a result is this gender warring between us. One of the things that's a result of that is the abuse of women. The neglect, the absence, the cowardice of men. The tendency to marginalize people who are not like you, to order destructively instead of to order creatively is one result. All of the justifying, all the blaming, and all the division is a result. But here, here, we sing, and we preach, and we talk, and we love our city, and we celebrate that that's not the end of the story. That God, the parent of our first parents, the perfect parent, does not abandon them. And he doesn't abandon me and he doesn't abandon us. The rest of this story in the Bible is a hearkening back to, a remembering, a rescuing, a restoring 
of that first great dream that God had for this world and for our existence, that we would be his kids and that we would creatively order the playground that he gave us to play in. Part of reclaiming, restoring that dream for the world, that healthy, connected, whole, meaningful existence that everyone was meant to have begins with how we relate to God, begins with worshiping the God who is and not the God that we've created an image for in our minds and in our hearts. He's bigger than that. He's beyond that. We see that God is the God of the oppressed, the orphan, the fatherless, the widow, the motherless. We see that God gives faith and hope and love. We begin to see a God so wonderful and so beautiful and so just and so gracious and so merciful that no single metaphor is big enough to describe him. A God who is big enough to be beyond our human conceptions of who he is. He is bigger than male, bigger than female, bigger than father, bigger than mother, bigger than mother bear, bigger than rock, bigger than refuge, bigger than fortress. We use all these metaphors and so many more to describe the God who loves us, but none of our metaphors even come close to capturing the love of God for us. So what about your conceptions of who God is? Got one last text. I know there's been a lot today, but we're almost done. This is our last one. Comes from Galatians 3. We're going to continue our conversation about the fruit of the Spirit next week with love next week in Galatians 5. But here's Galatians 3, and it's a fitting end for us today. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What's the point today? What's the point? Well, I'd ask you, what are your images of God? And women, I would ask you, what's your view of God towards you? And maybe how have those messages that we grew up with, or maybe that we've heard, or that we have assumptions about, about who runs the world, and about who runs the universe, how are those conceptions maybe off and need correction? How, have we made an image, a graven image of God that betrays God's actual heart for people? And how do we love and how do we serve? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to walk you through just some time. And this is really the most important time of our time together. Because it's a time when you aren't just hearers of the word, but you are doers of the word. Okay? So I want you to take some time and to breathe and to get quiet. And I want you to go back to where we began this morning. What is your image of God? When I say the word God, what are the images that come to mind? And maybe in your mind's eye, go ahead and picture some of these that we read about. A father, a mother, a rock, a fortress. A mother bird. A mother bear. 
a lioness. Picture these images for just a moment. Maybe ask yourself, how has your view of God been too small? Father, we thank you for metaphors in the Bible, for images, pictures of who you are. God, we thank you that all of us are made in your image, that there's something in us that reflects something of you, that there's something in us that reflects the us that created all of us. God, would you really challenge us where our images of you have been too small? God, I pray for my friends here that some of them, their image and their picture of you got bigger today. That we might walk out of here reflecting on the love that we've seen the mothers in our life show and how that love is made in your image. And we can think of moms who held us tight and who went to war for us. Who loved us the very best they could. God, thank you for the blessing of being able to see you in our moms. God, we ask you to send us from this place to be showers and tellers and doers of the word yeah, that we'd see in, in people your image and that our picture of you wouldn't be small but unimaginably big and that your love would grow and that we'd be able to share it with others. God, thank you so much for today and we again thank you for all of our moms. We ask you to bless them today especially. Help us to love them and serve them in ways that they know they're cherished by us. God, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, for his kingdom's sake, amen. If you all are giving an offering as part of your time with God, there is a box in the back. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.